0: So welcome back to the Leo Roundtable show. Now, I did take some um, video um, that, uh, you know, from this, uh, I guess, this dialogue that was going on, you know, with the, uh, you know, the female police officer. So let me just t- tell you that uh, you know, she originally said, get out of the dumpster and get on the ground. And then she said, come on out, climb out of the dumpster. And uh, there you go as she's getting out. And then she says, don't run, get down! But I, I could have sworn, Dave, that I heard her say "gun, gun, gun," and then a male officer says, "You know, show me your hands." And then I thought the female cop said "gun, gun" again before you know we ended up hearing you know shots being fired on that. So um, I don't know what you guys uh, think, but David, you want to start it off?
1: You know, you couldn't you couldn't really see a whole lot in the video except for the end when the dog was chewing on him on the ground. That was kind of special, but um, it, it was it was difficult to make out what was going on in the video. But at, I, I, I mean, I have to say, you're a police officer. You have any, any amount of experience whatsoever, even none. If your ability to look, observe, and decipher, critically think about what is happening in front of you as a naked man is jumping out of a dumpster, to be able to understand or know whether this guy is armed or not, I think would be fairly easy to decipher, I'm just saying. So in this case, yes, if if he had a jacket on, he had clothes on, something like that, and he had a history, a very recent history of having a weapon, and he comes flying out of this dumpster and his hands aren't where you can see him and he's doing stuff and you shoot him, okay, I'm going down that road with you because of his previous history of violent actions with a weapon. But in this case, he was naked. There's no place to hide anything, except maybe in Ron's case. I don't know.
0: But <laughs>
1: there's, there's really no place to hide anything. Wow. And he's coming out, and you can see hands. You can see everything. There's, there's nothing being hidden. So for this officer to reflexively shoot, which it was pretty close to that, I'm I'm having trouble coming to grips with that. I'm having trouble saying okay, I'm, I'm with you on that shooting, especially when you have a canine on site. You've got multiple officers that are around um, that have this the the scene contained. Um, he's got to know that, like I said, there's a canine there. So I, I'm I'm having trouble with it right up until the right up until the canine went in. And, and what could be more fun? What could be more exciting than seeing a canine chew on a naked guy? That's <laughs> that just brings everything to a whole other level. That's
2: like suit that's like sushi for a dog. Chip, yeah. I agree. I, I heard her yell I heard her yell gun. Um yeah, the the angle wasn't so great, obviously like Dave said, we didn't see uh everything until he was completely out. But you know, I, I you know, and they didn't find a gun. I, I mean <laughs> even if he was making a gesture to his waistband. <laughs> there's no <laughs> waistband. I mean, I I, mean, I I think you know, Dave if you're gonna go back to uh, you know, threat assessment one oh one, judging whether or not a naked man has a gun um on his body uh, would be pretty simple. And I whether she meant to say it or not, I, I'm convinced she said gun and she was incorrect. You know, that being said, I watched the last part of that video and the smile on that dog's face. <laughs> <laughs> Yep,
3: no. Wow. No. Yep.
1: There was no there was no crust to get through on that one. It was all meat. <laughs>
3: wow. I didn't get to see the video cuz I couldn't get it to play like chip. However, um maybe that officer thought he had a gun. Maybe he saw something that looked like a big old gun. I'm just saying.
1: Ch- I, chip, I already, this is this is that scenario. It wasn't you coming out of
3: the dumpster. They, he didn't see no <laughs> big old gun, all right? <laughs>
4: No, next time we do scenarios, we gotta reenact this one and Ronnie's doing
0: it. <laughs> this a, is a good I'm a, one. I'm, that's a great idea, Andrea. <laughs> please, great idea.
4: Please, please. The,
1: the, I'm the, only, way it's, the only way it's happening if, is, is if I've got sim munitions and he's coming out naked, then then it's on. Or a dog, one or the other.
4: As long as you y'all both show up. This is this one's happening, Ronnie. You won't miss,
3: brother. You won't miss. <laughs> oh.
0: Now, now, Chief Newman. Um, since we're talking about dogs, canines, and people getting bit, what, how was how what was that sound that Major Ron made when he was getting eaten by that little <laughs> chihuahua? How did it again? <laughs> All right, I thought that's what I remember. How I remembered that. Excellent, excellent. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I can. If for people watching the show don't know, we do create deadly force scenario training videos, and we just uh, what we just met on Saturday a week ago, and we did four. We had to drop a couple. Hey, I've ordered a taser, and I'm expecting it in the mail any day now. So we do have two taser scenarios we're gonna have to get together for. Uh, But I'll I'll work that out after after I get it but uh anyhow we'll keep we'll keep our users informed, but i will and i i gotta i'm gonna be i think doing most of production work on this on these videos. It's gonna be a lot of work, but give me give me a little bit of time to get them done, and i'll I'll get them up for everybody. all right, if there's nobody else then on this topic, we will move on to the next one now we uh let's see, we've got a update here. so um I already covered that one. give me one second, ladies and gentlemen here now we've got uh oh yeah. Let's see, we've uh, the officer that got shot does not quit to apprehend the suspect. We, have we already covered that? That was the female officer, right? Guys, have we already covered that one? No. We have, right. not,
3: we have not covered it.
0: All right, so we are on YouTube and a full lapel footage of this one. Officer gets shot and does not quit to apprehend the suspect. Um, I, I, I was, I was, she was a little rattled, which is understandable. And and the video, it was a little confusing at one point, but on September the 12th, about 930 in the morning, a New Mexico, state police officer was on patrol. And I I think it's uh, near Laguna and, and uh, let's see, she's parked in the median of I-40. She sees a white GMC pickup truck um, following uh, the vehicle in front of it too closely. So she initiates a traffic stop in the GMC pickup. The pickup's occupied by a male who's later identified as Robert Benjamin Nelson. He's 28 and he's from Scottsdale, Arizona. So I'm gonna try to breeze through this so I don't get too long on this, but um, she makes her initial approach. She walks into the passenger side of the vehicle without warning, Nelson, the guy on the inside, fires multiple rounds at the female officer through the passenger side door window. It was tinted and in the opposition. So after being struck by gunfire, and she's rolling around on the ground she's able to recover return fire at the suspect who's you know driving off um nelson's able to flee the scene continues eastbound on i-40 and despite having multiple injuries the officer returns to her vehicle and she's a, a canine officer and she gives chase and uh so she engages gets on the radio and all that stuff and she's bleeding from her it looks like her left hand there's blood all over the place you know from her hand. she's obviously been shot now Nelson stops on Interstate um, 40 and exits his vehicle. Laguna police officers arrive to assist the state police officer, and Nelson's taken into custody um, eventually uh, without further incident. Um, there is, uh, well, there's more information coming up here. Nelson's parents apparently pulled up behind the second stop. Uh, behind the officer and other officers, uh, you know, eventually get there. But it was a little confusing when the parents showed up and she's dealing with all these multiple suspects. So the officer was transported to a hospital, treated, released. Nelson's booked into uh, Cabola County Detention Center, charged with attempt to commit murder, aggravated battery upon a peace officer, shooting from a motor vehicle, resisting, evading, and obstructing a police officer. Now, Officer Duran uh, is also Unlucky for him. She's a commissioned federal task force officer. So the FBI is involved in the investigation and they charged Nelson with the attempted murder of a federal officer and discharging a firearm during a crime of violence. Wow. So uh, it, it didn't turn out too good for him, Major Ron. What do you think?
3: I, I have nothing negative to say about this officer. This is a kind of officer I would hope would work for me, um, kind of officer that I would hope uh, is in my community. She's a champion. She's a true guardian warrior. She's all of that. She's Wonder Woman to me, Supergirl, Superwoman, Batgirl, Batwoman. She's all of that. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, You know, the fact that she gets shot, she stayed in the pocket, Dave, (laughs) stayed in the pocket, returned fire, got back to her car, and was able to transmit, you know, location, what was going on without cursing. Now, her her, her, uh, level of uh, hostility later on, once she... You know that adrenaline dumps, and then she started remembering. F this, this, you know, this is what happened as she's being wrapped up and stuff. And then they're asking her questions after question after question after question, and she's like, you know, what the hell, you know. But I I, I thought she did a superb job. I'm I'm impressed. I'm impressed and proud. That's the kind of officer that makes me proud to be a police officer.
2: You know, I, I it was impressive to watch return her return fire. I mean, she put some bullets right on the cab of that truck, and that truck was pulling away. Um she didn't waste any time getting up there and getting it done. Um, she had the wherewithal to realize that she might have a trailer car behind her. I mean, so you know, you, not only are you dealing with an injury, you're trying to find out where the bad guy is, you're making radio transmissions, but she also has the wherewithal to realize that she might have a trailer vehicle behind her. Um, I, I just thought I just thought she was in it the whole time. Uh, you know, there's a guy that probably wishes that cops don't have anything to do with traffic law enforcement. You know, because he was waiting for her. As soon as she she cleared that B post, bam, he let her have it. I, I'm with Ron. You know, I, I saw somebody on on the you know, the feed that I was watching and commented that there wasn't a magazine in the magazine well on the uh, on the machine pistol that she had. You know, but I thought, man, I, I think I'm like really, dude. I just thought it was awesome. I'm, I couldn't agree with the major more. You know, it's people like that that that'll stay alive. It's a person like that that's going to stay alive and. You know we've seen too much of that this year with the two LA County, you know, uh, deputies that were shot point blank, and they're rendering aid to each other, and here's another officer doing the exact same thing. I thought she was spot on. She was awesome. Glad she made it out okay.
0: Thanks, Chief David. A couple quick words. I know we're, we got about ten seconds.
2: Yeah, she fell on the
1: ground and returned fire. Is what ha- is what that went down. And yeah, all you future traffic monitors watch that video. See if you want that job.
0: Thanks, Corporal. And we'll get back to you in case you have any more uh, comments. David, we're going to take another commercial break and we'll be right back. We're going to take a moment and tell you all about our friends at Extra Duty Solutions. Now, throughout my career, I've seen firsthand what can happen if law enforcement agencies' extra duty program is not given the necessary attention and resources that it requires. There's inefficiencies in detailed awarding processes and payroll nightmares and collection costs can derail your staff's production and morale, as well as jeopardize your agency's reputation. So with proper oversight, however, your agency's extra duty off-duty employment program can be profitable. That's where Extra Duty Solutions steps in. They administer these programs at no cost to your agency or municipality while taking on all the administrative burden and financial risk such as bad debts from unpaid invoices and they actually float the cost. They utilize your agency's rules, processes, and scheduling algorithms to avoid grievances and they keep the program fair and transparent. So the officers that are most eligible to work the off-duty assignments are actually the guys who get first crack at them. And Extra Duty Solutions has paid out over a whopping $50 million in extra duty work within the past 12 months and they've never been late. So at no cost to your agency or municipality, the service is truly a win-win for your agency, your your customers, and most importantly, to the citizens of your community that you represent. So I encourage you to visit their website today at extradutysolutions.com. They are a new and more efficient way to administer your extra duty, and they have arrived. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Um, great input, David. You want to continue?
1: Yeah, just just to finish it up, um, to go back and draw in the the last the other idiotic um, story. Uh, this this trooper pulled this truck over for following another vehicle too closely. That was the traffic violation that she observed and pulled the vehicle over for. And in, within that that study that they're going to implement, or they. Think they should be implemented? Those were things. Those are the types of, of violations that they would not allow law enforcement to uh, pull people over for or initiate traffic stops for. So, point number one. And as I said before, uh, this is an, a prime example of why the whole that, that whole traffic monitor crap would would do nothing but get people hurt and or killed uh, in the future. Uh, whether or not the guy would have even stopped to take his time to kill the traffic monitor. Ah, uh, because he knew that that they won't be able to pursue him, anyways. But yeah, again, I'll say it again: you traffic, you future traffic monitors out there, watch that video. Sign up for that job right away, you jerk offs.
0: Thanks, Corporal, uh, Officer Andrea.
4: I was just going to say, you know, I think that she shows, first of all, you have to have a strong mind in this job. That's one thing that, you know, as much as all the other training that you have, you know, you always have to have, a, I teach my kids mind over matter, your brains have to be stronger than your body. If you don't sit there and you don't go in and you don't fight until the end. I mean, you know, if you get shot, I don't care. I'm not going to succumb to those. I'm going to keep fighting till the end. And then, you know what? Let God just decide from there. I, we've, I've always had that mentality. That's the only way I would have made it through law enforcement. With any injury that you have or any time you fight, thank God, you know, most of us have never been shot. Maybe we've been shot at. Um, or, you know, maybe you've had some sort of injury that you've had to keep fighting through. If you don't have that mentality, then you're in the wrong job. So I think that that's one of those things Me and man, she showed that she had it she fought through it and that's how you have to go into every day in this job you have to sit there and just you have to have mind over matter whatever you do you just have to have a strong mind i think they need to exercise that in this career more than more now than ever because apparently they're going to take away tools from us so um i, I think that you know you just you have to have a strong mind and and fight through a lot of these things that maybe you uh you know you have to be faced with day to day in your job
0: thanks andrea yeah, she did a, yeah, I, I totally agree. Awesome, awesome job. Hopefully, we'll uh, maybe be able to see a profile of her and uh, and maybe, you know, maybe I can reach out to her and get her on the show. That'd be great. So, that covered, we are back on policeone.com. This is uh, written by Mike Callahan. He's written some great stuff that we've covered before. Now, this one's titled Court Approves Officers' Use of Force to Restrain a Possibly Mentally Ill Subject Who Died During the Struggle. Guys, I think there is some significant information here. Um, it's too bad we don't have Attorney Ward on. I'd love to hear his input on this. But Richard Turner was a homeless, 54-year-old black male who lived in the city of Champaign, Illinois. And on November the 16th of 2016, so we're talking what four years ago, um, Champaign police received a call to check on Turner. He was well known to the local police officers and uh, had been sent. They've been sent to check on him often during the past. Now, Sergeant Frost had encountered Turner several times in the past, noticed that his mental health condition had begun to deteriorate over the last six years um, before this incident happened. Now, past police encounters with Turner were resolved peacefully, some resulted in Turner's hospitalization, but on November the 16th, 2016, an officer saw Turner rolling around on the ground um, at the corner of an intersection. Um, His pants were down, he's flailing his arms, babbling incoherently. So, Officer Young initially approaches him, instructs him not to yell at people, And um, then backs off, waits for other officers to arrive. So then we get two more cops that arrive on the scene. And he jaywalks and stuff, and they... um give him some orders to leave the area doesn't want to comply i'm kind of like doing the uh, reader's digest version of this and shorten it down Um, officers decide that he needs to be detained for his own safety and protection and they're going to take him to a hospital for mental health evaluation so officers call for an ambulance instructing to sit on the curb but then of course he starts running uh, across the street officers pursue him catch up to him and officer wilson grabs him by the shoulder and are. I'm going to, for lack of a better term, i call him our bad guy or our mentally ill guy. He pulls away and shoves the officer in return, knocks the police radio off the cop's uniform. So now they're in a struggle, and our Turner grabs Officer Young with both hands. And uh, anyhow, they put him on his stomach. They handcuff him. He continues to resist. They've got to put um, leg restraints on him a couple times because he breaks out of that. They call it a hobble. And um, he— Anyhow, they, they get all that done. It's not um, captured on videotape or anything. So after this uh, leg restraint is secured, um, they ask someone, See, I guess, I believe they noticed that he's not breathing. They ask, "Hazy breathing? They determine that he's not breathing. Uh, they activate a defibrillator. Defibrillator says, hey, don't do the defib thing, but do CPR. And ultimately, this guy ends up dying. Autopsy says that he died from cardiac arrhythmia. His heart gave out from beating too fast during the struggle. Now, the autopsy revealed that Turner suffered from an enlarged heart, caused insufficient blood supply to one of his heart chambers, caused the heart um, uh, arrhythmia, which in turn resulted in his death, and there was no evidence of suffocation or other trauma to his body, so that's what the cause of death. Now, the Turner Estate, a lawsuit, and they did it in federal court and district court, alleged that the officers Young, Wilson, and Talbot engaged in use of excessive force and that Sergeant Frost and Officer Talbot failed to intervene to stop the excessive force. The city uh, was also named as a defendant and said that uh, it was an unconstitutional policy of excessive force against its citizens. The federal district court judge dismissed the lawsuit against all the defendants without trial because they granted the defendant's motion for summary judgment. And Turner's estate filed an appeal to the Federal Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit, and they affirmed the decision of the lower court, ruled that Officer Wilson's initial decision— Now, listen to this. This is what's substantial, in my opinion. Now, the, they they ruled that Officer Wilson's initial decision to grab Turner by the shoulder to stop his forward progress was reasonable, and they said Wilson had probable cause to believe that Turner's prior actions— uh, conducted in Wilson's presence, providing him a sufficient reason to believe that Turner was in danger to himself or to others. The court also ruled that officers not only have probable cause to detain this guy um, for his own safety, but also the legal power to to use reasonable force to accomplish that detention. And they explained that the use of reasonable force to accomplish a lawful detention is not limited to seizures to deter criminal conduct, but you can also do it to protect mentally ill people. And uh, there was also an issue with the Department you know, policies and stuff. And they said, look, that doesn't even come into play when you're talking about violations under the Fourth Amendment. So um, anyhow, this guy, these guys were cleared every which way but Sunday. And David, you want you want to be the first to tackle this? And and we got about you know, 10 seconds, David. Well, it's only short, but sorry.
1: Uh, it, it's it, the most important part we'll talk about in a minute that I think was the most important was the was the court rulings on the police policies versus Fourth Amendment.
0: All right. Coming back to Dave in just a second, but we're going to take one more commercial break. We'll be right back. No matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning and made it easy. GunLearn.com, it's the first and the only company to offer a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate and competent certified firearm specialists. They provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy and their training is approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that Leo's need to know about firearms and also ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. To start today with online training and register to attend a live seminar, you can actually get free training for yourself and your personnel by hosting a seminar at no cost to your agency. Come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. Welcome back to Leo Roundtable. Corporal David, the floor is yours.
1: You know, through the, through the entire article, as we're looking at the, the use of force, um, as, as we used it, it was, it was reasonable and, and, in this case, necessary to take this guy into, into a custody. I hate using the word necessary. It was reasonable. The, um, <laughs> but what I saw being the most important was that, uh, th- that the court ruled it was not bound by compliance with police department policies. And this goes right to the, the heart of what's going on in, in California and some of the West Coast cities, along with, with other places on the, in New York and places like that, that are putting uh, policies in place that make it almost impossible for, for cops to do their job. You, you start getting into these situations, we've talked about this before, where what's going to happen when you get into that situation where you are literally trying to take someone into custody who's fighting you tooth and nail, and, they are, and de- department policies are telling you, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't, all these different things that make it very difficult. This, I think, is important, because I think it sends a message to these agencies that you may you may be able to take action against this officer, but we are not. That the, these actions, your policies do not have any influence over the Fourth Amendment as far as the, the federal side of it is. And again, I wish, I wish Ward was here to, to go into this further. But in the end, I think this is a couple of different prongs. I think agencies will look at this, and although they'll do their own thing, I think police officers will now have recourse, I think, against their agencies for taking action against them for something that was constitutionally approved or constitutionally allowable, and starting to look at some of the policies that these agencies may be implementing as being, um, I don't want to say unconstitutional, but unreasonable and too restrictive when it comes to law enforcement. It could be it could be an interesting first step in that turning back of some of this crazy crap.
0: No, I, I, I agree, David, I, I was just, um I was very impressed that not dealing with a criminal matter, but with a mental um, issue that they supported the cops, you know, so readily. So, wow, Andrea.
4: So this takes me back to similarly, um, five years ago, when I was actually injured on duty. That I mean, we had a mentally ill gentleman who ran from us, thought we were trying to rob him, was gonna lay down in the middle of the street, and which resulted in me tackling him and and ultimately, you know, me getting hurt. But if you start to restrict some of those things that we can do in a scenario like this, listen, all we were trying to do was corral him and help him out and, and, you know, get him to a place where he needed to be. But who knows where that could have turned? I mean, he definitely didn't wanna listen to any of our commands. He didn't wanna comply. not on purpose. It's just where he was at. But you know, what do we know at the time? And later on, when we found out who this gentleman was, it would not have been uncommon for him to be on some sort of substance or anything like that that could have led to, you know, uh, a cardiac arrest or, or different things like that. That I mean, we, I was reading this article and I felt very, you know, it was very similar to a scenario that we had been in. I mean. One time when I had, had a dealing with him, he thought fire ants were all over him, and he asked for the fire department to put out the fire from the fire ants. So, I mean, you just you just never know. I mean, you don't know what kind of, of mentality that you're dealing with. You don't know what medical issues that you're dealing with. You don't know what substances. Um, but if you start to take tools away from law enforcement, uh, when it comes to these scenarios, you just never know what you're going to be left with. And I think that it's just, you know, like I said, I read this, and I felt like I was taking myself back to... Um, I guess August 14th, twenty
0: fifteen. Wow. Wow. Well, Major Ron, thank you, Andrea. Major Ron, you want to close us out on this one?
3: Yeah, I was gonna say quickly, I think the public really has no idea how many times we come in contact with mentally ill people. And we get more and more training, you know, whether they're on the spectrum or whether they're schizophrenic, we get more and more training along the way. But I, I can come up with so many scenarios, so many instances. I remember when uh, a couple of officers and the mentally ill guy w- were on the side of the road. They fell in the roadway in Ybor City, and they were run over by a truck. Um, both officers have retired out, and the mentally ill guy was, was killed. But do you all remember that? Prince, uh, whatever, Prince Jones, and then the guy from Orlando. You know, so. I mean it's constantly we're constantly trying to look for something to make it better. And and it's sad that I'm just like you, Chip. I was so surprised that they came down on the side of the officers, you know, when dealing with someone mentally ill because automatic. oh no, they must have done something wrong. So but like I say, I just I just salute these guys and gals that are still in there fighting the
2: fight. I'm not Thank that optimistic. Ever. Hey, I'm not that optimistic with Dave and Ron's comments. I think they're right, but on the other hand, it's still if they have a, a a policy violation, it's an administrative violation. So yeah, these guys might have won in court, who's to say that the you know the agency's not going to discipline them anyway? You know, I'd like to you know to 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 think that you know we're we're back on the road of like Dave said, getting some of these crazy you know edicts uh, kind of corrected and all. but you know if, if an agency if you have a violation in the courts, all right, so you're not going to be- get you know in trouble criminally but who's to say the agency's not going to come back and do it to you administratively and, and you know I, I, I fear that because you never know you know you, we look at some of these you know what some of the retaliation you see on the, on this show that we talk about with cases it's out there so you, you never know what the agency's going to do if they really believed in that excuse me in that policy um, and you went ahead and violated it okay so you're not going to get done criminally but you know administratively you might reap some consequences.
0: Producer Will, is something you want to share with us? Uh yeah, Michael M V S just donated. Mike, M- Michael MVS. Michael, thank you so much. You know, next time we get together for some uh, deadly uh, force scenario videos, we got to invite MVS and, and Eddie Leal out there, you know, get them involved in some of these scenarios. Hey, maybe we can get MVS to, to jump out naked out of that dumpster instead of Ron. You know, Ron, he might be your saving grace if, if, uh, if, if Michael shows up. You never know. So, uh, but hey, MVS, we really appreciate the support on the show. Thank you. I'll, we'll, I'll talk to you later about that scenario, okay? Um, get a hold of me. But uh, anyhow, moving along here, leoaffairs.com. This is an update. Jersey Shore woman who was recorded resisting arrest gets $350,000 in a settlement. Now, you guys might remember this video. I'm going to go through it real quick. But the city of Wildwood in New Jersey, so John's neck of the woods, has settled a federal civil lawsuit filed by a woman who was arrested by two cops in a violent encounter, captured on video, drew national attention to the Jersey Shore uh, back in 2018. And, uh, you know, we covered this extensively. Uh, So Wildwood agreed to pay $325,000 in the settlement to Emily Weinman after she filed a lawsuit against the city, alleging two seasonal police officers had, quote, brutally and senselessly assaulted her and uh, during a dispute over an unopened alcoholic beverage that she had on the beach. The lawsuit alleged that the cops use excessive force fabricated evidence against uh, a and she's from philadelphia and uh she was 20 years old at the time visiting the beach for memorial day weekend with her boyfriend 18 month old child and a female friend now wildwood mayor pete uh byron said in an email that he had only just found out about the settlement was not involved in the negotiations he said this is done was done by the atlantic county municipal joint insurance fund apparently they represent the city and matters like this and lawsuits and they can make the decision to go ahead and pay these settlements and stuff. And so former Wildwood Mayor Ernie uh, Triano Jr., who was mayor during the incident when it happened, he's been outspoken in supporting the officers. He told the New Jersey advanced media that the settlement is a travesty, a miscarriage of justice. Now, I've got a couple minutes here, but the video shows police officers confronting Weinman and administering a breathalyzer test over an unopened alcoholic beverage on the beach. Wyman tells the officer she's not been drinking, she refuses to give them a full name. Um, it looked like she really wasn't given much of an effort doing the breathalyzer either. She walks away from two, they call them class two officers, and their seasonal positions that Jersey Shore accounts regularly hire for busy summer months, and she tells them not to touch her. Now, this, the article is a little misleading, but I'll, I'll correct it in a second. So. Officer Thomas Cannon says, all right, you're about to get dropped. And I'm sure David loves that part. And as he moves towards the woman, uh, he says this. So the lawsuit alleges that Cannon then violently takes her to the ground and begins striking her as he pushed Wyman's head into the ground. They kind of leave out the whole point where she comes up and charges the officer with both hands and kind of checks him in the chest and knocks the camera, you know, off. I mean, you know, they don't even mention that, apparently, but it's it's on the video. And... Uh, According to the lawsuit, both officers physically assault her, twist her arms, pull her hair, choke her, all this kind of BS. It's all made up. And at the time, the officers claimed that Wyman had struck and kicked the officers, described her as appearing, appearing to be under the influence of drugs and alcohol. And the lawsuit. In the lawsuit, they denied the allegations. So, Wyman was charged with a number of crimes, including two counts of aggravated assault. F- listen to this: throwing bodily fluids in the third degree. How about that one? Resisting arrest in third degree, disorderly conduct, obstruction of justice. She pled guilty to a single disorderly conduct charge in 2019. She was banned from Wildwood for a year shortly after the incident. The Cape uh may county prosecutor's office announced that the officers would not face criminal charges for their conduct no kidding and the two officers involved cannon and a guy named robert jordan they were dismissed from the lawsuit um earlier uh, this month as the settlement discussions were being finalized so wow um so guys we've only got about a a few seconds so we're going to take another commercial break but i would love to hear comments on this because the video completely in my mind justifies the officer's actions and this girl is just trash as far as I'm concerned. Let's take another commercial break. We'll be right back. So the Viridian back duty camera mounted weapon it's been uh, or, or camera uh, mount or I'm sorry <laughs> I screwed that all up but the veridian fact duty weapon mounted camera idea was born when the company owner and the employees watched as communities around the country were literally being torn apart and burned down over the lack of evidence and multiple officer involved shootings they used existing the technologies and innovative design to create the fact duty that's the FACT duty and it's become the only gun camera in wide use by law enforcement across the nation. Now the gun camera fits standard police duty weapons and holsters and records automatically as soon as it's are removed from the officer's holster and it provides an unobstructed view of critical use of force events from the end of the firearm and because of this it overcomes inherent issues with body cams. Body and dash cameras were not designed to capture officer involved shootings however, reading gun cameras were designed specifically for that purpose. Now, the Fact Duty employs a 1080p full high-definition camera with a microphone as a 500-lumen tactical light, and Viridian's proprietary incident on technology means that the Fact Duty generates just a small fraction of the data to manage compared to other law enforcement recording options because it only records when the weapon is actually drawn from the holster, and this results in significantly lower compared to the data management costs than other evidentiary camera systems. Now, data is securely stored and easily transferred per agency protocol with existing software technology, you can get more information on the fact duty at gun camera.com. Welcome back to the Leo Brown table show, John, I got tongue tied on that one. Help me out. Uh, chief, you're next.
2: <laughs> you know, you know, I, I've been to Wildwood, i mean i grew up in the jersey shore you know we i remember when this came out we were all a little bit curious because you know the jersey shore in the summer really it, it, it the population increases is tenfold right so you do get a lot of seasonal officers and you know you're always kind of leery of it 30 40 years ago you know these these are you know young folks that were working uh, you know for a job they weren't probably didn't get the training that they get nowadays but when we got I i remember watching this video going she was out of line. I mean, she, she, she definitely checked them. I'm wondering what threshold that the uh, casualty company, the you know the, the risk management company, was using to write her a check for three hundred thirty-five thousand dollars without even consulting city officials. I agree with the chief. That was the chief at the time. This is absolutely ridiculous. And and you know I'm just wondering what the basis was for them to give them the three thirty-five. It surely couldn't have been that she's going to lose the criminal or win the criminal case. Because she had already lost it, they were already cleared in by Cape May County, uh, you know, officials. So I'm wondering where they thought that they had a right a check for 335. Because we all didn't see it in the video when we watched it a year, year and a half ago.
0: Thanks, Chief David.
1: I, it, I, I'm sure Ward would agree if he was here. It's just a simple business decision. It's disgusting, but that's all it comes down to. You, you have a, a that that. Risk management company that says, "Okay, how how much is it going to cost us in legal fees to to take this to court, fight it, do all this kind of stuff? Yeah, about three hundred thousand. Yeah, give or take. Okay, let's let's see if we can write her a check and make her go away. And, and they and they call it a wash. Now that doesn't sit with me very well because I'm all for doing you know what's right. I'd rather pay the attorneys that money than than her. Um, considering that we all look at it and go." Okay, what jury is gonna look at this and say, oh yeah, she deserves some money. She's such a poor little downtrodden thing on the beach. Oh, I, yeah, I'm just not seeing that. But that's the unfortunate reality. It, it, it's just, it just comes down for that, for that risk management company, that insurance company, it just comes down to a damn business decision. They don't care. They have no skin in the game other than the money. So it's like, what's the cheapest way for them to get out of it? And that's what it comes down to. I'm afraid, sorry, and disgusted.
0: Thanks, Corporal. I got a couple more that I want to get to. We're getting thin on time, guys, so I'm going to rush over to this next one here. And uh, this is the Volusia County Sheriff's Office in Florida. There's a video associated with this. Florida deputies interrupt a home invasion, and they actually rescue five victims. So Volusia County Sheriff's deputies, um, like I said, they rescued five people who had been tied up in an armed home invasion. They caught the suspects as they tried to run from the Daltona home. Three armed suspects, including one with a rifle, broken to the Deltona home at 10.05 at night on a Saturday, tied up the family that had a small child hidden in a bedroom. Um, investigators don't believe the home invasion was random. The victim suffered minor injuries in the incident. When the deputies got to the scene, and, and this is just crazy watching the video of that, the suspects tried to run but were caught by deputies who had surrounded the home. Now, two suspects, Jermaine Oliver who was 30 years old, and Derek Mathis, they were each charged with um, home invasion robbery with a firearm, kidnapping, and, and and kidnapping, involving a child, firearms, all kinds of stuff. Um, a third suspect, John Anderson, 39 years old, he was also charged. Now the seven-year-old girl was later found in the home unharmed. Now the armed suspects, they approached um, an open garage door, confronted two victims at gunpoint, demanded they empty their pockets. The suspects entered the home, rounded up other victims, brought them out to the garage where their hands, tied their hands up and made them sit on the floor. It's crazy. Volusia deputies were called to the home. invasion uh, was in progress. And when they arrived at the home, they heard the victim screaming in the garage. Deputies approached the home, they saw the suspects, and they saw uh, one armed with a rifle inside rummaging through, kind of through the window, and they were able to get the victims out of the garage, surrounded the house. Victims told the deputies that the seven-year-old girl was hiding in the bedroom. The robbers became aware that some, uh, I guess that someone uh, someone had called the deputies, and they ran out through the garage door where the deputies confronted them. And one suspect was caught in the driveway, two others were captured in the backyard it just goes to show you what can happen. Um, any comments on that video, guys? It, it, was, uh, it was pretty cool, and producer Will will get that up. Uh, and we got about yeah. five and a half minutes left. I wanna to get to a couple more things, but uh, go ahead, uh, David and John.
1: Thank God, thank God for uh, idiot uh, bad guys. That, that's what that comes down to. Um, cops showing up on the scene, guy inside the house with a rifle. Uh, that could have gone a whole bunch of different bad ways. But I'm sure all the cops in the driveway were going, I got mine. Did you get yours?
2: So it was one of those things. Thank God for stupid criminals. You know, I remember when I first came on, Mike Simpson, you know, he was an FTO, and he'd always tell you when you're driving around, look at convenience stores on your way to work, think about what you're going to do if you rolled up and this happened. I'm not, I am not criticizing the officers, but the one guy must have said to two or three officers, that guy right there in the corner, he's got a gun. He's got a gun. I think there was a lot of, um, a little bit of because you have no idea, you're not in charge of the clock when they're going to want to walk out the door. And I thought that everyone got caught, the, you know, the victims were, were safe, so it's good. But you got about you have that, that mental mindset that if I rolled up on a home invasion in progress, what am I going to do? Because you got you, you have to be a little bit more up tempo. I mean, I it, it was, I'm, I'm sure they all went, Wow, the guy really does have a gun, and like Dave like said, I'm going to get mine, but um, I just think it was, I thought there was some wasted conversation and then bam, they came out the door.
0: Thanks, Chief. Hey, um, our next one on police1.com, what's on your wish list? A gift guide for Leo's. I was going to have the guys kind of pick stuff off the list they wanted. Uh, we don't have time for that because I want to get to a, a gunlearn.com article. They actually, Dan O'Kelly, who's one of our panelists, was a good article about him on Police One. But there's a roundup of gifts from companies who support the Thin Blue Line or provide products with law enforcement in mind. It's on uh, police and we're going to go ahead and feature it on our website. So I want you guys to check out these items. And again, Again, these companies heavily support law enforcement, so so please give a, a special consideration to supporting these companies and maybe buying some of these Christmas gifts. Some of this stuff is pretty cool. Even for retirees, pretty cool stuff. So, um, so that said, let's go to our next one here. And we're on PoliceOne.com, and we're talking about Dan O'Kelly's company, GunLearn.com, Six Reasons Why Your Agency Needs a Certified Firearm Specialist. And, uh, you know, really great article, a great opportunity for Dan to get it um, out there. And, you know, it talks about, um, well, the subtitle for this is um, Personnel with Proven Comprehensive Firearms Knowledge Help Prevent Costly Accidents, Mistakes, and Legal Battles good point. So again, we're talking about six reasons why your agency needs a certified firearm specialist, and actually, I've been to his uh, firearms and ammunition course before he actually fine-tuned this for the certification, and Brett Bartlett's actually been certified through Dan's company. Um, so the number one reason is is you want to avoid overlooking serious felony violations, because you're going to miss a lot of violations if you don't know what to look for, and they teach you how to do that. And number two, avoiding accidents due to improper gun handling. And We've all seen it. We cover that you know, on, on the show a lot. Um, you avoid arrest uh, for non-violations. And number four, you avoid misidentification of evidence. And you learn the overall ability to explain the facets of firearms. You become clear about ammunition, and it's normally a confusing topic. So those are are the reasons why it basically helps you become bulletproof. And I thought it was a really uh, favorable article for him. So good for Dan O'Kelly and GunLearn.com. Any uh, any comments on the article, guys, or uh, any feedback on that? We've got roughly uh, about a minute and a half left. Uh, go ahead, Chief.
2: I, I thought it was a good article. It was informative, but I, I just don't know how realistic that is for a smaller agency. You know, I, I look at those things like you know we would do a lot with ATF down here. We partner a lot, and we and our old departments had armors and all that. But you know, you have to have that or another type of training. You know, I think there's a trade-off. I, me, I see the value in it, but a bigger agency will, will work a lot more volumes of cases where they would need somebody like that. So, if it's a you know, if it's a decision to send somebody to a, a more a more appropriate class that they're going to get more use out of than this, I can see them struggle with it. But you solve one case using the knowledge that he's going to provide you, you're going to see the value. I think some leaders without that experience or foresight. Might not think it's very, very uh, valued
0: at all. Good point, Chief. And I, of course, agencies can get together. Jurisdictions, sheriff's office can, uh, you know, invite some local PDs to come, you know, on their dime, or they can host it for free because they invite all these people. So I totally agree. And 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 lastly, um, producer will put the video up. But did you guys? Uh, one of the stories we were going to cover it was the uh, the bola wrap. There's a video where Minnesota cops use a bola wrap projectile to restrain and detain a man who's compliant. I've never once. You know, and I, bet, I guess I can never ask these guys to sponsor a show, but I've never once seen Bola wrap anyone resist the Bola wrap. I mean, I, I, this guy's completely compliant. It, it, it's supposed to be nicer to use than the taser. I don't know, David, and we don't have time to comment on it, but we'll we'll uh, we'll include it in the show so people can watch it. So it's uh, well, Chief Newman throwing a couple words real quick.
2: They, you know, it, it was the perfect use of force for the perfect scenario for a guy that was completely catatonic and frozen with his hands down by his side. I mean, they couldn't have asked for a better situation to deploy it. I want to see it when it's a dynamic thing and the guy's flail on his hand. You know, it's pretty neat to watch, but it was a perfect scenario.
0: All right, thank you, Chief. We're out of time. Thank you to our panel for being here and for our users on YouTube that are conversing with us. Also a shout out to our sponsors that we really love and appreciate, Case Management. Uh, We have Guardian Lines Technologies, Extra Duty Solutions, GunLearn.com, and Weapon Technologies. We're syndicated on the radio through the Boss Hog Radio Network and the Cutting Edge Radio Network. We're on uh, Cutting Edge TV on Roku. We're powered by Pexip. And uh, hey, I hope everybody has a wonderful week. Thanks for your support, guys.